Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our vibrant church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to vibranthtx.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Good morning, Vibrant Church. Are you excited to be in the house of God? Come on. Awesome, awesome. Can you give it up for Theresa? Didn't she do an amazing job? Woo! Man, this is great. Um, Let's give it up like crazy for all of our first-time guests. I love it. Glad you're here, whether you're in person or online. 
Glad that you chose to be in the house today. We're honored that you chose to be here. So my name is Michael. My wife, Carmen, and I have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastor. And we're just we're glad that you chose to be at church today. You could have been a thousand other places on Super Bowl Sunday, but you chose to be at church. And uh, we're starting a brand new series today uh, called Love Songs. And uh, I'm excited about that. I'll kind of open that up and show you what that's about in a minute. But uh, as always, I want to take just a moment to look directly into the camera. And I just want to welcome our online family in. And so I don't care you know, if you're watching alone by yourself with a watch party with your family. I just want to thank you so much for making church a part of your day. And I want you to know you've got a church family around you that loves you, that cares about you. And uh, can we welcome our online family in? You love your online family. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So glad that you are here. Now, I know the big question is, well, Pastor Michael, why are we doing a series like this? And why are we going to this level and this extent? Uh, to do a series on love songs. And the reason being is that we believe in families and we believe in relationships, right? We do believe that a healthy church, the pillar of a healthy church is all built on relationships, amen? And uh, healthy relationships. And so that being said, it's very important for us to teach that. And uh, what you teach, you get, especially in a church. And so we wanna teach that, we wanna preach that. And I do believe that I've got a word that I wanna share with you uh, that's really gonna impact you the next four weeks, uh, you know, especially kind of setting up this entire series. Um, how many of you love, love songs? How many of y'all love songs? All right, all right. So that was all the girls, all right. How many of you dudes love, love songs? All right, anybody? No? Okay, cool. Sounds good. All right, great. Um, all right, you couples. All right, let's do this. How many of you couples have a song? You know what I'm talking about? Like when the song comes on, it comes on your Spotify playlist, like you're going to stop what you're doing, you're going to walk across the house, you're going to give her some sugar. You know what I'm talking about? Like what song? What song? Anybody? Any couples? Y'all got a love song? Okay, Billy and Russell, I see y'all. All right, okay. That's good. All right, all right. Good stuff. I love it. I love it. I really do believe uh, the reason why a series like this is so important is because in the beginning, God created something called love. And the beautiful thing about it was it was pure. It was right. It was holy. And, and you know, the, the great thing about love was it was an idea originated by, not by our world, uh, not by our culture, not by any particular songs, but by the God of heaven. Love was an idea originated from heaven. That's so cool, isn't it? But what has happened is over time, the packaging of love has been taken and it's been filled up with a fake. Let me give you a little illustration about this. This is, um, this is Gatorade. How many of y'all love, you like Gatorade? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, like four people. All right, 11 o'clock. We got to wake up, baby. <laughs> we got a long way to go. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Uh, but I love Gatorade. And if, you know, those of you that like Gatorade, blue Gatorade is unquestionably the best Gatorade there is out there, okay? Does that, all right? Um, if you don't agree with that, we'll have like a, a separate prayer time for you over here after church, and I will work on that, okay? But blue Gatorade is the unquestionable king of the Gatorades, okay? And so you know, the best thing about it is that you go, to, uh, you, know, you go to a gas station and you just pick out a Gatorade and it tastes great. But all that went into making this Gatorade, they mix it, they do all the things, you know, the, they put the Holy Ghost in it and whatnot. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, but then they make the packaging and they put the, the wrapper on and they, they seal it tight and then they put it in the gas station and you go buy it. It's great, it's great. But what if somebody took a bottle just like this of Gatorade, I emptied it out, and instead of Gatorade, they filled it up with windshield wiper fluid. 
What if they took it, and I'm going to make a mess, so I apologize to the, the cleaning team right now in the name of Jesus. Y'all just forgive me. But what if they took windshield wiper cleaner and they filled up this Gatorade bottle all the way to the top, and then what they did was they, they just, we're going to put the lid on that so I don't make any more messes, but they put the lid on it, and then they put that joker in the gas station right next to it and say, all right, it's good enough, it's the same. What would happen, like some of y'all are looking at that right now and thinking that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. You know what I'm talking about? Like you pick that Gatorade up, one drink, it's going to be like somebody's getting sued, like it's happening. But, you know, you laugh at it right now as I'm filling this up with, with windshield wiper fluid, and you're thinking, no way, I'd never drink that. No way, I'd know. Like that's not, that's not the real thing. Like this is great. This is like, it's pure, it's right. It's a, but, but this is not like I would know as soon as I opened it. You know, it's funny to you when you think about that, but I really do believe that the world, what it's done is in the beginning of time, God gave us this example of what love should look like. God gave us this true example of what love was supposed to be. It was supposed to be pure. It was supposed to be beautiful. It was holy. It was something that was fulfilling to us. It was something that nothing could ever replace. But the world has done is it's emptied it out. And it's filled it up with a, with a fake, a counterfeit, something that's not holy, something that's not pure, something that instead of love, it's filled with lust. It's singing a different song. Instead of fulfillment, it's always the next thing. Instead of, instead of humility, it's filled with pride. And what happens is the world sells us this counterfeit full of love and this, this love and says, hey, look, this is good. Drink this. It'll be great. But if I took a moment right now and I drunk this, some of y'all got nervous, didn't you? <laughs> Somebody else would have to preach the rest of this message because it, be it would not be good, right? Right? But how many times do we pick up the counterfeit song of love and we sing that song over our lives but expect the blessing that comes with the pure, real thing? This is what love was supposed to be. It was supposed to be beautiful, pure, holy, humble. But now the enemy has taken it and it's filled up the packaging with love. The packaging of love with a counterfeit. Lust, greed, selfishness, and pride. You know, I love, uh, one of the shows Carmen and I used to really, really enjoy um, was American Idol. Anybody like American Idol? Anybody? Okay, cool. Like four people. Let's go. But I like... I didn't watch it because for the reason y'all watched it. Like, I watched American Idol to watch the people that were not good. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they would open up the show, and then they'd close the show with the people that were not good. Like, I had a video. I had to cut it because of time. But this guy, like, by himself, decided he wanted to sing uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. That's a bad idea. Like, don't do that. If you're going to show up and try out for American Idol, like, don't do that. It's not good. Um, he was terrible, right? But, you know, one of my favorite seasons of American Idol was to see, like, you know, every now and then somebody that's not good will get a little while far and you're like really root for them in your soul, like inside. You're like, yes, go, go, go. For me, that was Sanjaya. Anybody remember Sanjaya? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Like that was from, it was like 10 years ago or something. I know I'm old. I get it. Okay, cool. Um, so like Sanjaya was like not good. Okay. He was, he was not to that level, but every week he kept winning. He kept winning. He kept singing the songs. He would sing these rock ballads and these, you know, these love songs and everybody like, 
no, bro, that's not it. Like, that, that, that's not the way it's supposed to go. It's not the melody. You're not even in the right key. Like, I, this is not cool. Like, but he kept winning. And, he kept, and I think he got all the way to the quarterfinals or something ridiculous. It was crazy. But I, like, I never voted in American Idol. I voted for Sanjay like a million times. Like, he's the, I'm the reason he got there. Like, send me a royalty check. Like, build the building. Come on, somebody. Like, like he, I, was, I helped him, okay? But eventually he didn't win, and, you know, I was disappointed. I quit watching the show, so whatever. Uh, but, you know, we, we laugh about it, and we look at those songs, and we're like, man, that guy's terrible. Like, he can't sing. You know, I, just to be honest with you, I think a lot of times when we pick up the love song of the world, and those are the songs that we sing over our lives, we pick up the cultural idea of love in our life, and we sing it over us, I believe that God looks at us, probably looks at that song the same way we look at Sanjaya. Yeah. Bro, that's not the original. That's so Bro, that's not, that's not in melody. That's not in tune. That's not even the right key, bro. Right. That's not the original. This series of love songs, I want to get back to the original love song. I want to go back to the beginning. It's a true classic. In fact, it's, it's an entire book of the Bible. The entire book of the Bible. It's, it's the Song of Solomon, and, and some call it the Song of Songs. And so many times, I, I want to kind of establish some ground rules before we dive into the message today, okay? Many times in a relationship series, we think, oh, that's not for me, right? Especially married people, we think, oh, that's not for me. Like, honey, did you hear that? Like, <laughs> that was good. That was right at you today. Like, <laughs> no, not me. No, I mean, that was all you. Like, don't do that in this series, okay? Like, no elbowing, no punching, no, like, standing up and pointing at your wife here. Like, this is, that's not acceptable, okay? I'm just kidding. Nobody does that here, okay? But, like, that, that's, I mean, this is for everybody. Everybody, single people, dating people, married people, students, this is all for all of us, okay? So, and then the second uh, ground rule that we're going to have here, have here is don't look back. Don't look back. Many times when we talk about the ideal relationships when it comes to the word of God, we look back and we filter them through all the jacked up relationships that we've had in the past and we allow this heaviness of guilt and shame on us. On us. Here's the thing is God makes all things new. Amen? God makes all things new. That's why we started this entire year with a series called Brand New. Okay, this is a building block. This is the sequel of that series, okay? And so God makes all things new in your life, my life, our relationships. So don't accept shame and guilt over your life in this series when we talk about the ideal relationships, okay? Does that make sense? Okay, don't accept that. Uh, now, but here's the thing. I gotta tell you, the Bible does not hold back on relationships. Like, there's no gray area. It doesn't leave gray areas. It does not hold punches back. This is not a beat around the bush type series, okay? So um, if you have somebody in the room that is maybe under 13, um, or if you're watching online, if there's somebody in the room that is under 13, I just want to tell you that this is going to be like a PG-13 series, and uh, so uh, like it might be good to get them Paw Patrol or go to kids ministry right now, okay? Um, and so uh, I gave you my disclaimer, uh, you know, anything beyond that, that's on you, okay? Cool, cool. All right, we're just going to go about the Bible, okay? Can we preach the Bible today? Can we do that? All right. Um, Solomon wrote 1,005 songs. That's a lot of songs. And according to the Bible, this was his favorite song, the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs. This book was it. The whole idea of the song was describing human love and relationships around the thought that God's way was better than the world's, is that God's way was better, God's melody was brighter, and if we're going to sing a song, we might as well sing his, right? That was the entire idea of this book. And so there are three characters here. Number one, there was the lover, which is Solomon, okay? Then there's the beloved, which is his wife. And, and then there was the friends, 
which are the daughters of Jerusalem. And so we're going to read a lot of Bible, and we're going to kind of jump around and maybe take verse by verse. But just follow me. The verses will be on the screen, or if you want to pull out your Bible, it would be great to underline it. Just make sure to take notes, okay? So Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Solomon's Song of Songs. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. That's a good start. It's a good start, all right? I like that. Um, For your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Perfume in that time was so precious and it was so expensive that it was very common for people to spend an entire year's wealth, an entire year's worth of work on perfume. So you could, or, or what we would call cologne, where you would, you would spray it on yourself and you would smell acceptable when you went out socially. What, what, what's being said here is that your name is like an entire bottle of perfume poured out, like I could just smell it, and it refreshes me, right? There's something special about you. No wonder the maidens love you. No wonder wonder you're so popular. No wonder everybody loves you, right? Verse 4 through 6, it says, Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. We rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. They like wine, y'all. I, I, I don't know if y'all figured that out. They like wine. Um, <laughs> how right they are to adore you. Dark, I, dark am I, yet lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I'm dark, because I am darkened by the sun. Now, it, it's easy to read that, especially in our culture, and kind of be like, what is he, what's being said? What is she saying there? Here's the thing is, in that time, this really had nothing to do with white or black or in the middle, but this was all about when it was a social difference in people, okay? So there were some people, there was a social equity issue where some people would be, uh, they, would, uh, they would have to work outside in the fields, right, in the vineyards, and they would have to go out. And when they did that, they would work out in the sun, and their skin would get darker, and it would crack, and it would, uh, they would have uh, sores and things like that. Well, people that did not, they stayed inside, and they were obviously fairer, and they were lighter in skin. And so what she was saying here, she actually, uh, she clarifies at the end of this verse. She says, my mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. I had to go outside and work all the time. My skin is cracked. My, sin is, my skin is, is, uh, is, is, is bruised. It's, I've got sores. What my own vineyard, I've neglected. I'm wounded because I've taken care of everybody else. That might speak to somebody else in this room today. Song of Solomon 1 and 7 says, Tell me, you whom I love, where you, where you graze your flock or where you rest your sheep at midnight, where you live, where you at, where, where, where are you at here? Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? Now, this, that, that verse right there is kind of, um, you don't really know what it means, so you get context. A veiled woman in that day, what would happen is the men would go out, and, and, and mostly men, but some women would tend to the fields. And at the end of the day, there would be what they called veiled women, but what we would call them is they're prostitutes, okay? And so they would stand at the edge of the field, and at the end of the day, the men that were overcome with lust would actually take a prostitute home with them. And so what she's saying is, I'm not like the veiled women that you've seen in the past. I am not like the veiled women in the fields. I am, I, I'm, why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? Women, let me just tell you, you don't have to be like the women of the world. You don't have to sing the song of the world to get the man that you want. 
You don't have to do the challenges of the world. I said one earlier, and they, I, was, I guess I was too woke for 915 because they was like, oh, Lord, I didn't know Pastor knew that. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, but you don't have to do the challenges. In the, you don't have to do the social media posts of the world to get the man that you desire. This whole message, we're going to break down this whole set of verses in the first couple of chapters, and it's really all about attraction. It's about attraction. It began here. Attraction is the beginning of all relationships. It's the genesis of all relationships, right? Friendship leads to courtship, leads to engagement, leads to marriage, but it all begins at attraction, right? That is the precipice of relationship. You are attracted to somebody in some way. Now, let me just clarify here and just start with this. If you're dating somebody and you're not attracted to them, it's time to give it up. Like, like this, this, like this is the first step. Like, just go ahead and break it off. Like, all right, this is it, okay? But there are a few different types of attraction that we're going to talk about that biblically inside of these verses that we look at and we find these types of attraction. I really look at the types of attraction in these verses like different parts of a song. There are some parts of the, the attraction that's like a verse. Then there's some that's like a chorus. Then there's some that's like the hook of the song. Like, you're going to go home and sing that song the rest of the thing. All day long. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to go to bed singing like, I can't help falling in love with you. I don't even know if that's the word of the song, but that's the hook. Like, I, I, you're going to go to bed singing that song. That's the hook, right? That's the thing. There are different parts of attraction here that, ha- that play different roles in your life spiritually. you got to figure this out, okay? And so the first part of attraction is spiritual attraction. Spiritual attraction. And, and one of the most important and attractive things that you can offer as a man or a woman is how much you love God. It's how much you love God. When you are in love with Jesus, it's attractive. It is attractive. In fact, when I met Carmen for the first time, I don't have an entire uh, time to go into this. And she's smiling right now. She's shaking her head no. She's telling me I don't have time. Um, and so, but when I met her the first time, I came to Bible college uh, and I attended her home church. And uh, true story, she, I have the microphone, so uh, I can say it. But she didn't give me a time of day, y'all. I, none. Like, she was 16, I was 17, and like, no time of day. But eventually, I, you know, I coerced her. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but when I saw her, y'all, something that, the first thing that was so attractive to me was she was on fire for Jesus. Like, she was on fire for Christ. Like, in fact, when I showed up, she was super involved with choir. She was directing the choir. She was 16 years old, and she led the student ministry band. Like, she led the whole thing. She was teaching adults how to, how to sing and be a musician. She was teaching them how to lead worship at 16 years old. When I showed up and I saw that, I was like, okay, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> praise God, he provided. Come on, somebody. Like, You know, there was something about it. It was attractive to me, family. It was very attractive to me. Uh, Now, there are a few ways for you to be spiritually attractive, and I want to kind of talk through these biblically. Number one is, it's pretty simple, but it's to love and worship God. Now, worship sometimes to some people can seem kind of crazy. It can seem kind of crazy at times, but it's funny how on Sunday afternoon at NRG, it's cool, but on Sunday morning, it might be too crazy. Oh, but Pastor Michael, Deshaun Watson just scored a touchdown. Like, I, man, I got, woo, yeah, let's go nuts. Texans, Texans, Texans. But on Sunday morning at church, we like, oh, man, that's a good song. That's a good song, right? My hands a little cold. I just want to put them in my pockets, you know. Man, I just got to tell you man to man right now. If you want to be more attractive to your wife, it's going to be, be, begin with falling in love with Jesus. 
It's going to begin with being the shepherd of your home. It's going to begin with being passionate again with, about worshiping God, getting your hands out of your pockets. And here's the thing. We don't just raise our hands because, you know, you know we don't raise our hands in worship because our wife's going to think we more, we're more sexy. Okay, that's not the goal here. No, we fall in love with Jesus. We, we go all in and fall in love with Jesus. And naturally what happens is worship overflows from your heart and your hand's going to come out of your pockets and then your wife's going to think you sexy. So then you fall in love with Jesus and then your wife thinks you sexy. Double win, baby. Come on. We're preaching today. This is the Bible. We're preaching the Bible today. It's a double win. Single people, let me give you a litmus test. Uh-oh. If you want to test them, you want to see if they're the one, right? If you want to test them, you want to see if this is, the, this is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life, I want you to bring them to church. I'm being for real. I want you to bring them to church. And, and here's the litmus test. Watch their hands. It's an overflow of their heart. If their heart's right, if they're in love with Jesus, their hands will come out of their pockets and they'll be worshiping God. But if, if their hands stay in their pockets... You might be telling them, hey, if your hands are in your pockets, they can't hold mine. You know what I'm talking about? Mm, 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 mm. I'm going to move on from that. Y'all uncomfortable. It's all right. The, the second thing is to pursue my God-given purpose. Like, that's attractive. Like, when you pursue your God-given purpose, it's attractive. I'm not just riding the roller coaster. I'm not just coming to the 11 o'clock service because I hit snooze too many times. Like, I'm here to serve. Like, I'm bought into the vision. I, you know, we have people here that worship one and serve one or back and forth, and they do those. And there's a couple in, and, you know, there's a couple in first service that does this so well. They actually serve together in kids' ministry, and they mentor second, third, fourth, and fifth graders, and they teach them how to love Jesus, and they teach them how to act responsibly. Kids that have no, uh, no real upbringing, kids that are hurting, kids that are broken, they help them, and they serve together. And they were in first service, and they, they, they're awesome. Andrew and Teresa Cruz. Anybody love the Cruises? Awesome folks. They're awesome. But you better know that when they walk in from a full day of serving and worshiping, she goes, oh, that's my kid's pastor right there. Come on, somebody. That's, that's my man right there. You know? There's something attractive about stepping into your purpose. When God calls you to something, you step into it boldly. Men, women, you step into it. Single people. Stop worrying about trying to find the one. Find your purpose. God will lead you to the one. Okay? All right, step into your purpose. The third one might be the most important one of this, of this little stanza here, and it's this, have godly standards. You need to have boundaries. We got to have boundaries. Now, when you're married, it's on. Like, it's on like Donkey Kong. Like, I like Sunday afternoon naps is something our church believes in. Praise God. Like, go for it, okay? But until then, until then, we've got to have boundaries. We got to have lines. We've got to protect ourselves. All right, somebody's thinking about Sunday afternoon now. Lord bless them. Y'all can go back to last relationship series for that one. But listen to me, single people, dating people, we've got to have lines and boundaries. If not, anything goes and we start singing the world song. We start singing the world song. But we, and we can know, you'll know when you're dating somebody and their, the direction of your relationship is headed there. Look at me in my eyes. Let me tell you, you've, you've got to stop that direction if it heads there. You'll end up singing a destructive song over your life that you had no way of intending to do. Right? You better, you better stop that. We can't sing that song. Here's why. It's because we're a spiritual being, and we've got to get the spiritual side right first. 
We're a spiritual being. You've got to develop that in every one of your relationships. Your other relationships will improve. Uh, let's move on to the next one here. And, and so this is Song of Solomon 1, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 9 through 14. It says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. They're talking back and forth here. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck uh, with strings of jewels. We will make your earrings of gold studded with silver. With the king at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My lover to me is, is a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. I don't, know, I don't know what a sachet of myrrh is, but I bet he's glad he was one. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> my lover to me is a, a cluster of, of henna blossoms from the graveyards of Engedi. See, they go back and forth here. Pharaoh's horses were considered priceless commodities. They were priceless. She, they, 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 she valued, she encouraged him. Before he ever touched her, he encourages her. He speaks life into her. He honors her. Even when you're away, I'm thinking about you. There's something so attractive, I just can't get enough of, of, of you. I can't get enough. I can't get enough. This leads to, us, our, to our second form of attraction, and it's emotional attraction. Emotional. We've got to feed the emotional side of our lover, and everybody has one. I don't care if you're like the manliest man in here. Like, huh, like I, you, are that, you have an emotional side. Like, you have that. We've got to feed that, okay? And here's how you can do that. Number one, you've got to value them. She was saying, you're like one of Pharaoh's horses. You're the best. Like, you are prized to me. You are so valuable. Now, I know some wife in here is thinking, well, he's really not. He's just there. Like, he just sits in the recliner all the time watches football. Like, he's really not. I I don't know what. Here's what I would tell you. If you don't like what you're seeing, look at what you're saying. That's okay. Y'all didn't like that either. It's all right. If you don't like what you're seeing, you better watch what you're saying. If you're speaking that about them, they have nothing, they have no challenge to live up to. They have no goal to live up to. But if you start speaking life into them, it raises the value and challenges them into that, right? Watch your words. Watch your words, church. Watch your words, husbands. Watch your words, wives. Watch your words, girlfriend, boyfriend. Here's the thing. I do this to you too. Surprise. (laughs) Like, here's the thing is that I'm a human, and I messed up this week. But guess what? You did too. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I don't come up here every Sunday and be like, oh, y'all bunch of sinners. We all failed this week. We're going to burn in a lake of fire. Like, that's not going to help nobody. You know what I'm saying? That is not going to help nobody. What I do is I get up here and I say, hey, we might have fallen. But the grace of Jesus is greater than any one of our shortfalls. Because God makes all things new. And there's nothing that you could have done that has diminished the love of God for you this week. And I challenge you into it. Why? Because I'll keep saying this to the day I die. Because the moment that you believe it, you can become it. Right? You can say, you know what? Yes, I did mess up this week. But God loves me. And this week's going to be a better week. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live it all out. I'm going all in with Jesus. And you start to speak it over yourself because you begin to believe it. Husbands, that's your goal. You start speaking it over your wife as it's not yet. Wife, start speaking it over your husband as it's not yet. You start speaking life into them, which is my second point. Accentuate what you see in them. 
accentuated. Every person in this room wants validation. Every one of us. Every person in here. You have got to validate them. Men and women, you've got to be very intentional about this. And, and this is something that I do very intentionally. In fact, I went back this week in my study and I, I thought about what, how many times this week did I actually call my wife her name, by her name, Carmen. And I, I thought about it and I reviewed my entire week and I called her by her name two times the entire week. You know what I, you know what I called her the rest of the time? Beautiful or baby. Beautiful or baby. I want her to know. That every time I see her, baby, you're beautiful. You're the most beautiful thing in the world to me. Baby, you are my baby. You, you, you my baby. <laughs> hey, I know them kids are crazy, but you are beautiful to me. Like, there's, like, there's nobody else in there. Like, you are beautiful. I, start, I speak life into her because I want her to know how my heart feels. I want her to know I value her. I want her to know men like to be admired for accomplishments. Women like to be admired for who they are, just who they are. And I just got to tell you, church, if you don't do it, somebody else will. If you don't do it, somebody else will. Here's the thing is lust doesn't happen just because of sex. Affairs don't just happen because of physical attraction. There's an empty vessel that has not been filled, and the enemy loves nothing more than to come and fill broken, empty vessels. And he comes and he fills it with a song. And the enemy will come along and, and tell them that they are valued. The man will be at work and there'll be this woman that comes and says, Oh, well, you did that project all by yourself? Oh, my Lord, you did so good on that. Oh, my, you are so strong. You're so smart. Like, and the, husband, you know, the man is going, Oh, you know what? I like that. Yeah, I am. I am smart. I am good looking. But you ladies laughing, but on the other side, there'll be some joker that comes along and that, you know, you, you're not getting listened to at home, but there'll be some come joke, joker that comes along that you keep talking and they say, well, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me about it. You know, I'm convinced you could say, tell me more and look like a rhino foot and they'll fall in love with you. You know what I'm saying? Right? It's all about value. It's about being, admiring that person. You've got, you've, got to, you've got to value your husband or wife or the person that you're dating. Single people, I want you to file this away because when you begin to date and you begin to court, I want you to look for somebody that values you. Amen? I want you to, I want you to value, I want you to look at somebody that values you for who God made you to be. The third thing is this, think good thoughts about them. At home, she thought about him. She was obsessed with him. I couldn't get enough thinking about it. You've got to control the narrative of your mind because if not, the enemy will drop little, uh, just little moments of this truth that will change the, the lyrics of the song don't match the character of your spouse. For instance, while they're late from work, I, you know, I tried to call, I, not answering the phone, I text, oh, I went and checked, find my friends. Find my friends is off. Oh, Lord. Something's going on. They must be cheating. Uh, that, that's the first thought, right? They must be cheating. Well, they're cheating. Oh, getting divorced. That's it. It's, it's over. It's over. Oh, who's getting the kids? The house. Well, they're not getting my car. Like, <laughs> no siree. Like, before you know it, you, you, you reach out on Facebook to somebody that you're old flame from high school. And before you know it, you've already connected with them when all that happened was she left her phone in the car at Target when she went to Target. 
You know, you've got to control that narrative of your, of your mind because if not, the enemy will rule your relationship. You know, when I travel alone, I've got a picture of Carmen and I from uh, 10 years ago or plus. Uh, I know, I'm old. I get it. Um, and so, but I take it everywhere, and I set that bad boy up. I take it in my luggage, and I, I set that dude up because i just got to be honest with you, as a man and any man, there are so many things in life that could become attractive to you. But for me, that's, that's my sachet of myrrh. When I walk in that room, the only person I want to think about is my wife. The only person I want to think about is my kids, my babies. I want to think, you know, that's your sachet of myrrh. You better do things that value, that honor, that remind you that just, you had that sachet of myrrh. And they know you had that sachet. Song of Solomon 1, 15 through 17 says, How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. How handsome you are, my lover. Oh, how charming, and our bed is verdant. The beams of our house are cedars, and our, and our rafters are firs. See, they spoke into the eyes first because the eyes are the window to the, uh, to the soul. But it, it, you could see that there was kind of a switch that was flipped. The bed was lush. We're wanting this physical connection, right? Sexual attraction is normal. It's natural, but we've got to build it on the right thing. We've got to build it on the right thing. And this leads me to my third Form of attraction today, and it's physical attraction. I want you to remind remind yourself. Go back to ver, to chapter one, and she starts out talking about how she was her skin was broken and it was ugly, and and, and then she says in Song of Songs chapter two, she says, "I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the maidens." I want you to check this out. And I don't want you to miss this. Okay. Beginning of chapter one, she is broken. She's saying, man, my skin is rough. It's like, don't judge me by my skin. I've not taken care of myself. But then he affirms her for the entire chapter. And then the second chapter opens with, I am a rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. I'm the most beautiful flower in the entire valley. Her entire mindset was changed by her being valued by the one that she loved. Husband, wife, imagine the difference that you can make in your significant other dating if you just valued them and you spoke life into them. It might just be a chapter away. It might just be a chapter away. Now, the next verse makes me laugh out loud, LOL. And y'all don't know why yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. It says this in, in verse 5 through 7. It says, strengthen me with raisins. Re refresh me with apples, for I am faint in love. Come on, it's getting real. All right, this is it right here. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. It's getting real. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by gazelles and the does of the field. Do, ooh, it's getting real, family, right? Now, now you don't understand why that first verse is so funny. And strengthen me with raisins. Y'all don't, don't know why it's funny. But here's why it's funny, because back then, they thought raisins were an aphrodisiac. They were ready to go, family. They were saying, let's go to the house. It's Sunday afternoon. It is time. Like, bless God, okay? They were turned on, family. Everything was getting hot and steamy. There was physical attraction. Like, this is as close to sexting in the Bible as you're going to get right here. Like, this is it, okay? This is as close as you're going to get. But, but don't, don't miss this. But then you hear it, the song. The song. It's the last part of that verse. Do not arouse or waken love until it so desires. I've got all these feelings and I'm passionate, I'm passionate. But then the song, you hear, you hear the song, don't awaken love 
until it's right. See, God created, church, don't miss this. God created love. God created sex. God didn't see Adam and Eve in the bushes and go, oh, I got. Like, he, he was not surprised. God created that, okay? He made that, the beauty and the passion. It's part of the song. But if you get it out of place and you fill your song with the song of the culture, and you consume the song, and you drink the song, it will be the most destructive thing in your life. If you drink this, if I took this out right now, and I just took a good, good gulp of it, y'all nervous? You wouldn't like that, right? Because I'd die. Because it's unhealthy. It's a song that if we sing this song, we die spiritually. We can't sing the songs off of the, of the world's, build our relationships off the world's songs and expect God's Grammys. Right? We can't expect the health that comes with, with, with the song that God gave us from the beginning. Don't awaken love until it's ready. Until then, I'll hold my sachet of myrrh. It's this physical attraction that's natural. As I close today, I know right now some of you are saying, well, pastor, you don't know my marriage. You don't know my relationships. You don't know my life. You don't know my past. Let me challenge you. I want to challenge your thought with this thought. Too many people believe and teach that love is a feeling and an emotion. And although feelings and emotions are involved in love, the greatest part of love is action oriented love is a verb it's what you do more than a noun which is a feeling many marriages even Christians are failing because they value feelings over actions I've talked with couple after couple that say that they don't feel like they're falling in love like they used to they've fallen out of love let me just tell you church you can fall in and out of the bathtub but you don't fall in and out of love it's not it You grow into love. You grow into it. Now, I want you to imagine right now. Imagine if Christ, right before the cross, he went to the garden and he thought, you know what? I don't like this feeling. I don't feel good doing this. I don't like doing it. Therefore, I will base my decision off of what I feel today. If that had happened, we would all be hopelessly doomed. But the good news, of course, is is that Jesus resisted and fought back his feelings. And even though he prayed three times that day for the cup to be removed, he was more interested in doing the will of the Father than what he felt like doing. Jesus displayed his love by willingly going to the cross and dying for sinners, those of us that were still his enemy and still desperately wicked, all of us. So we must live out and preach today that love is not dependent upon feelings and emotions because feelings are one of the most shallow and most unreliable of all human emotions. Instead, we must emphasize that love is a choice more than a feeling because feelings are subjective while love is objectively displayed in actions. The bottom line is love is what a person chooses to do, not what a person chooses to feel. For God so loved the world because he felt like it? No, he gave. He does love us.
But love required action, and that included the supreme sacrifice of his son's life. Would you stand with me across this room today? Church, I gotta be honest with you. When I came to Christ, I was this guy. I was broken. I sang the culture song of love. I didn't know what true love looked like. I was more immoral. I was broken. I was way out of whack. And God, God could have looked down on me and said, no, I don't want nothing to do with that. That's not, that, that's not valuable. That's not the right song. It's not the right melody. You're gone. But he didn't. He came and he he died on a cross for me and for you. And when I came to him, he made me new again. When I came to him, he showed me how to love correctly. He showed me how to love in a way that nobody else could have showed me. Today, some of you have been singing the world's song for so long, and right now you just maybe just didn't even know it, but you showed up today, and you are that vessel. You're broken. You're hurting. You're going, God, I, man, I, my, my marriage right now is on the rocks. Like, I just, I, just, I need something. Our marriage needs something. I'm telling you today, this song is attainable. And it's a song that comes from Christ that we only know how to love because of how he loved us first. So today in this house right now, I want you to first thing for you to love your husband or your wife or your your significant other, your boyfriend, your, your fiance, for you to love them properly, you first must understand how much God loves you. You've got to understand and grasp the great love of God and all that he's doing inside of you and for you. What I want you to do right now is I want you to understand that It's really not, I know you're looking at, it's very easy for you to look at the faults of your husband or your wife or your your partner. It's very easy to look at the faults and say, well, I can't love them because of the faults. Now I'm just stuck. I just can't do it. But here's the thing is that God loved us through our faults and saw perfection in our imperfection. He saw the perfection in our imperfection and said, hey, look, there's a better song. There's something that is more fulfilling than you could ever think of. Today, there is something great on the table for you, but the first thing for you to do to get this whole love song process right, we've got to start by understanding the love that comes from Christ. And so what I want us to do is we're going to sing in just a moment. We're going to have a little moment of worship. But I wish that you right now in this in this time, you would respond in whatever way you feel comfortable. And for some, for some of you, that's lifting your hands. For some of you, that's just bowing your head and closing your eyes. For some, that I might even be to kneel or to come to an altar. Whatever you feel like right now, I want you to respond in that way. And I want to pray a prayer over you that you would recognize once again the great love that comes from God, that comes from nobody else. If you're watching at home, I want you to respond in that way. I want you to understand the great love that comes from God so you can begin to give that love to the people around you. Right now, can you respond in however, whatever way you feel comfortable as I pray over you? Lord Jesus, today I come before you in a house full of people that might be broken, that might be wounded, that might be struggling with their, their thought life and might have been struggling with some things going on inside of the world right now. 
But God, I pray that you would remind them, maybe some of them for the first time, that you would let them know how great your love is. You would let them feel your love. God, that I, I, I know that nobody else could teach us how to love but you. So today we respond to your love so we can begin to truly get this song right in our home. So we can get rid of the destructive nature of the world's song and begin to sing the song right in my home. Then our homes got across this church so we can build healthy families. We begin to step into your reckless love, into your love that is great and is mighty. God, I speak a, a new revelation of love in our church, a new revelation of love in our families. God, I pray that you would let us 